we're talking about keys to success. Key number one is knowing the Lord and making sure your personal relationship with the Lord is strong. Number two is believing the message yourself. And I know a lot of people, and, and this is the thing, and we talk about, it's unfortunate today that we're using terminology that sounds really good, like just uplifting Christ and focus, fo focusing on Jesus, but we're actually, in many cases, using it as an excuse not to know or believe Adventist doctrine, Adventist beliefs. And I say, I say doctrine, and doctrine's become a bad word. I mean, there are some groups that I even say that today, and somebody's thinking, he's one of those, doctrine. He's yeah, it's all about doctrine. Just so you understand, doctrine is a word that means what? Teaching. Teaching. Okay? And the gospel is a doctrine. It's a doctrine. You don't try... You can't talk about, even talking about who Christ is is a doctrine. It's teaching. And so you've got to believe the message or you're not going to be sharing the message. I want you to notice the statement there by Ellen White from Testimonies, Volume 1. She says, I saw that the mere argument of the truth will not move souls to take a stand with the remnant, for the truth is unpopular. The servants of God must have the truth in the soul. A few that are conscientious are ready to decide from the weight of evidence, but it is impossible to move many with a mere theory. There must be a power to attend the truth, a living testimony to move them. You've got to own it. You've got to, you've got to be confident about it. And, you know, if you have questions, that's fine. Just don't put your questions on the self and say, I have questions about the Adventist faith, and I'm just not going to investigate it for the next five or ten years. I don't understand why a Seventh-day Adventist says, you know, I've got questions about Ellen White. Have you asked anybody? No. Have you talked to the pastor? No. Have you looked at any books on it? No. Really? No, I'm too busy watching Netflix? I mean, is that it? In other words, uh, this ought to be the most important thing in our lives. If I'm not certain about it, I ought to get certain about it. Because, hey, look, let's be honest. Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Maybe this church is a delusion and the devil's going to take me to hell because I'm in this church. I mean, for me not to know what I'm about... I, spiritually demands an answer. Amen. And I'm going to tell you that if you do study it, you'll be confident that you're in the right place. Uh, that's, I, I mean, one thing I loved about being, a, when I was an Adventist Bible worker, that I love that because I can answer everything from the Bible. I didn't have to pull out Ellen White to answer any biblical question. And I firmly believe in Ellen White, and I use Ellen White's writings and everything else because I think that's what God gave the prophets for. But I don't, found, I don't need it to base my faith on. And so, I mean, you know, I talk to other people, and they got to say, well, you know, I know you don't find this in the Bible, but, you know, if you find in history, there was this change back here, and, you know, Sunday, and the resur resurrection, and they give their reasons for it. I don't have to do that. I can go to Scripture for everything. Amen. And that's why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Amen. Uh, some helpful resources are listed below. If you, if you have questions of your own, oh, i got to read that other one on the bottom of the page. It says, truth is not truth to those who do not what? Practice it. Truth is only truth when you live it in the daily life. Truth is not just cognitive. Truth is not just something in your head. You know, when the Bible talks about truth, truth is something by nature that embraces you, or it's really not true. So if you have questions, a Bible and Spirit of Prophecy reading plan, I mentioned that in our meeting this morning. The Discipleship Handbook has a great one in the back. Look, get, get, get confirmed in your faith. Seventh Adventist Bible Commentary is a great commentary if you've got questions on certain passages to look them up. The Discipleship Handbook is a great resource on giving the reasons from the Bible why we believe what we believe. And then there's an old book called Answers to Objections by Francis Nickel. Now, F.D. Nickel, you can, I, I, they've republished it, but it's like it's an outrageous price. So you can also get it as a PDF online for free. You just search Answers to Objections by Francis D. Nickel or F.D. Nickel. But it's a great resource as well. Okay.
Next page, number three. Be genuine, loving, and earnest. <sighs> Sometimes, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that the people who are embracing the truth should be the most Christ-like people in the world. And, and that should go without saying. You know, and the fact of the matter is, I can't point any fingers here, but that, because there's been times when I have acted like, I have to in retrospect say, you know, I've got this theory of the truth, but if I'm unkind, it's only a theory. And it's very important that, you know, something, sometimes we get to defending something that's true, and rightfully so. We know it's true. It's biblically true. It could be the Sabbath. It could be something else. It's a biblical teaching, and, and we're passionate about it, and we should be. But don't let your passion be unkind. And, and I think there are times that, that most of us do that. Now, some of us don't. Some of you are so meek and gentle um, that I don't know that you would ever offend in that way. But then maybe your problem is being bold when you need to be bold. But I think for many of us, we have times of maybe pushing it the wrong way. Don't stop sharing the truth. I'm going to tell you that I've had people say, you know, I just don't witness anymore because I went some time ago and I just said the wrong thing and I... I just realized I'm not good at that and I'm not going to do it again. Who was behind you saying the wrong thing? Why do you think he made you say the wrong thing? So you'd stop. See? So guess what? who just won? The devil did. So I like to tell people when they don't come to church because all hypocrites. They don't come to church because somebody hurt me. This is somebody hurt me and I'm just not going back to that church. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think worked behind that person to get him to hurt you? The devil did. Why do you think he did it? Keep you out of church. What are you doing? Staying out of church? Put, the, put that together. You want to let him win on this one? You're always going to have people that... But we don't want to be those people. We want to be loving and earnest in our contact with people. We want to, you know, that, the, the quote is here about how Christ uh, never uh, needlessly spoke a severe word, but he spoke everything in love. Tears were in his voice, and I'm not going to read the whole statement. We just need to make sure that we have the Spirit of Christ when we're sharing the truth. That's going to, be, that's going to make a difference. I mean, people need to know that we care about them. We can disagree with them, and they may not be happy about that, but it goes a long way to know that the person that disagrees. In fact, I was studying with a lady. Um, I'll never forget, she asked this question. Now, she had been to some meetings before here and there, hadn't been through a whole series, and uh, I was studying with her and her husband, and it, it came down to one thing where she said, you know, she was convicted about the Sabbath. But she was totally like, you guys are way off on the state of the dead thing. I just know it. You're off on that. And so she's like, I just, I can't join your church. And I would tell her, her name was Sally. I said, Sally, you don't, you don't have to join my church. Because she was convicted, convicted on the Sabbath, like I said. I said, you don't have to join my church to keep the Sabbath. I said, if I were you and I were in your shoes, look, you don't have to join the Seventh-day Adventist church. But if I were you, I'd be keeping the Sabbath somewhere. <laughs> Because you know that's God's word. Yeah. But anyway, she'd asked me this question. She said, so let's just say that I never join your church. I'm just not going to join your church. So are we going to be friends anymore? And this was after some time when I had visited a few times and been by their house. And, and uh, it just really hit me when she asked that. Like, she wanted to know, you know, her mindset was, as soon as they find out I'm not going to be a part of the church, they're, they're on. They're out of here. I'm not in interest anymore or whatever else. And I didn't know how to answer that right away. I'll be honest with you. So if I don't join, because I'm thinking, you need to keep the Sabbath. God's convicting you to keep the Sabbath. I don't want to just say, hey, look, no big deal. It is a big deal. But I don't want to say, no, I'm not going to be your friend. 
And I, I prayed about it. I'm like, Lord, you know, help me to know what to say here. And this is what I told her. I said, listen, Sally, I, what I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart. I think this is life or death truth. I, I really do. I said, now, I know that you may not see it that way. And, and, and listen, you have to make your decisions like I do. What I'm telling you, I'm telling you because it's important. But whatever you decide, you're always going to be my friend. And uh, I think that went a long way. Now, we're friends to this day, and she's still not Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm still praying for, pray for us, Dave and Sally, because <laughs> I want to see Dave and Sally make some decisions, but they're still good friends, and every time I go by, we, I mean, we strike it up like I haven't seen, you know, I went by recently, and anyway, they're a great couple, but that, they've got to know you care about them. That's the point, and that will go a long way. Now, number four, be intentional and direct. Thinking about my time, and I'm thinking about how, how I want to communicate. To me, this is one of the most essential points. In fact, if you look at a statement, yeah, I can't believe that I, I left out one of my favorite statements, and this is what it says. I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase it to you because I don't have it here, and it really needs to be here. Um, Ellen White says, the secret of our success as a people advocating advanced truth is making direct personal appeals to those who are interested. Direct personal appeals. I think this is the, one of the biggest hindrances of our members is they don't know how or they're afraid to be direct with people. You know, you're bridging, you're building friendships, you're trying to find an avenue to begin studying together, that's all good. But when you begin studying with people, you're going to come to crossroads where you're going to have to be direct. And the challenge there is you know it as well as I know it, that when you're direct, you might just lose the friendship that you have spent so much time building. The problem is this. You'll never gain the soul you're not willing to lose. It's not going to happen. You're, you're going to, you know, Jesus was direct with the woman at the well. Jesus was direct with the rich young ruler. He lost the rich, Jesus himself lost the rich young ruler because he was direct, but he had to be direct with him. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who's studying with a classmate uh, in college. The classmate is not a Seventh-day Adventist, so they've been doing Bible studies. This person is studying, and they go over the Sabbath, and the classmate's like, oh, that's awesome, it's so clear, why haven't I seen this before? You know, goes home, talks to some people, comes back, and is like, yeah, you know, I just I don't think it's important that we do that, right? And you may have had those experiences. Talks about the state of the dead, all worried. She calls me, she texts me, and she's like, I'm doing the study on the state of the dead. And she's a friend of Pastor Hinkle's, texting, texting him as well. We're giving her coaching, and, and I'm going to do state of the dead. I don't know how it's going to go. Text afterwards, says it went fab fabulous. She's like, I've always had questions about that, and what you presented makes so much sense. Then she goes and she talks to some other people and comes back and says, you know what, now the last was after the state of the dead. I mean, right after the study, this is great. It's crystal clear. Um, went home to visit her parents. And maybe that was it. I don't know what the factor is. Gets a message back and says, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just thinking maybe we shouldn't be studying this together. You know, I mean, you have your beliefs and I have my beliefs. And, and, and she's like, what do I do? And I said, if it were me, I would have face to face and I'd say, listen, why are you a Christian anyway? Are you a Christian because you want to follow what God says or you just want to follow what your church has always taught? 
I'm a Seventh-day Adventist or I'm a Christian or whatever, I'd say not because of what people believe, it's because what I believe the Bible teaches. Now what I've shared with you, I think, is what the Bible teaches. If you have a different understanding of that, I'd love for you to show me biblically where maybe what I'm seeing is wrong because I don't want to be deceived. This is, this is what the Jews did. With Christ. And, and, and anyway, I mean, I would be a heart-to-heart, -heart, but this is what Ellen White means by direct personal appeals. And I've told people before, I mean, I can do this better with a parent, because with a parent, I could say, just pretend it's your own child and this is the last opportunity you have. Now, parents, I have to say last opportunity because as parents, a lot of times, maybe we don't say it we should. Of course, as parents, sometimes the things we've, times we've said things we shouldn't. And so, you know, I don't want to mess it all up, but if you... The reason I say that is if you knew it was your last opportunity ever because of the love you have for your child, even if it was uncomfortable, there are things you would say. That's the kind of love that you have to have for souls. And that kind of love in your heart, the love of God that he puts in your heart, will lead you to make those, and Elmite says that much, will lead you to make those direct personal appeals you're going to have times when you're going to have to just be direct with people and ask them like you... I mean, sometimes we're just so worried about being proper about things and then afterwards we leave the situation and say, well, I don't know why they're doing this and I don't know why they're doing that and I can't believe that... Well, why didn't you ask them when you were there? Well, I didn't want to offend them. Now, I don't, I'm not saying to be offensive to people, but... You know, we've worked Bible study offering. I've had church members who go out and they follow up and they're like, yeah, I went to the door and I had the interest card and, you know, they'd signed up, but they were just like, you know, I'm not, I don't know, I don't have time for this right now. And, um, or they'd be, worse yet, I mean, I think in cases like that, I mean, what do you have to lose to be a little bit more pushy? And when I say a little more pushy, I'm not talking about berating them, but encourage them. I had a church member of mine in, uh, when I was in Hastings, Joyce, you know, you know Joyce Kabliska, um, and they had moved uh, out of state now, but Joyce, uh, she, would, she would go to the door, and this she'd do on her own with the story. She would take the, the historicals Bible study lessons, and she would, people would, when they mailed in, we did these mail outs, and that's the ones that, that we were using as a church, so she'd take these out to the house, and the person would say, oh, I thought I was going to get those in the mail. You ever have that response? And here's what Joyce would do. She'd take a DVD with her and she'd say, well, I could send them to you in the, in the mail if you'd like, but if I do that, I can't leave you with this great DVD that goes over and explains the whole thing. Great idea. And I mean, I want to tell you, that woman, she got into more homes. And, and this is the funny thing. She never gave a Bible study, technically. And what I mean by that is, Joyce, oh, I can't give a Bible study. But when she would go back to the house to drop off lesson two and lesson three, and she'd say, what do you think of that DVD? Well, what about this part here? Well, what do you think about this? And she'd basically give them a Bible study on the porch. And when the person had questions, she'd answer. And I mean, she was baptizing people and bringing them in. But she was willing to be direct with people. She wasn't pushy. The way some people might say pushy. Uh, maybe she was a little pushy, but just not, not in a... I'm not, again, talking about a rude and offensive way. But being direct uh, with people, you've got to be willing to lose the interest if you're going to gain the interest. There are going to be times when, the, you, you, and, I, and I'll guarantee that some of you in this room have been in that place and you're just like, oh man, maybe I should, but if I do that, they're going to, 
And the reason you're even thinking maybe I should is because the Spirit of God is trying to prompt you and you're like, no, I don't want to do this because I don't want to lose, risk losing this interest. And so what you're doing, in essence, is you're saving yourself an earthly friend instead of giving them the opportunity of heaven. Yeah. Uh, that's the reality. Jesus was willing to lose people here if he could gain them there. Even with the tragedy, that's why they... Tra you know, we talk about this with God. The tragedy we see in the world, why does God allow it? God is willing to let some of the worst things happen here if he can get them in eternity because that's going to be infinitely better. So there's a level of that in soul winning where we've just got to be able to be intentional and direct with people. Just be honest with them and speak to them heart to heart and soul to soul. Now, this isn't going to happen in every conversation you have, but there are times in the course of your study where they're at a crossroads and you see it and you present something and they're hedging on it. And you're going to be direct with them and say, you might even share with them, listen, I remember right when I was in your spot, Claire. I remember what you're struggling with. I know what you're struggling with. And I remember when I was going through that. And let me tell you. And I might just... I'm appealing personally and experientially. But that, you know, that's, that's where the decisions are made. And that really is where they see your care for their soul. You're, you're kind of stepping out of the box a little bit and just being straightforward with them. And you're going to have people that will say, yeah, well, I'm not interested. And you might kindly have to say, well, I understand that. And, you know, look, I'm going to leave my information. And, you know, if you decide you want to pick up the studies again, you know, give me a call, be glad to do it. And you might leave it there. And I've had that happen before. And I've had people who, after some time, realized that that was the truth. <laughs> I've had people study and then they're like, no, I don't want to keep the Sabbath. And it's their hurdle. And so they go to this church and that church. And lo and behold, they can't find satisfaction anywhere. That's and they'll come back after some period of time and say, I'm just tired of it. Everywhere I go, they just preach fluff. In fact, we got a lady right here came to a series this last fall. And uh, uh, she was convicted on the Sabbath. She'd gone around to different churches, and recently she came back, and she told what I remember. She's like, I just get tired of all the fluff everywhere. So, look, the Lord is working on people. Now, i got to run through this quickly. The next one, uh, work with ripe interest. What that simply means is, you know, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he send laborers into the harvest. What kind of laborers do you need in a harvest field? Harvesters, Right? If you've got a house and you've got some drywall work that needs done, you have a plumber that shows up, guess what? Wrong answer. Say, I need a contractor. They send a plumber. No, 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 that wrong one. I need a contractor. You can send an electrician. No, 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 no. I need somebody who knows drywall, right? But the Lord needs people who know how to harvest. And harvesting, part of harvesting is that direct personal appeal that I was telling you about. But part of harvesting is knowing that people are at different places. And here's what I mean by that. Some people are not what we call ripe interest. And what that means is, I've touched on it earlier today, there are people who... They want companionship, but they're not ready to make a spiritual decision. And you've got to know the difference. And you can be going and having a Bible study with somebody, and you're just like, I don't know, it's not going anywhere. I've had church members do this. In fact, unfortunately, I hate to say it, I've had pastors who give their church members the least interested people. Like, oh, you want to do a Bible study? Here, I've got one for you. Because the pastor wants to do the interesting one, and he gives you the... And then you're just like, I've had members tell me that the former pastor's done that with them, and they didn't know it, but I noticed it when they described it to me. And they're like, it just didn't work out for me. I don't think I'm good at it. Well, you don't think you were good at it because you're trying to study with somebody who's not interested. I mean, a person may have you over, make you cookies, and sit down and go over the lesson, but that doesn't mean they're interested. And they make excuses, and they can't meet next week, and they can't meet the week after, and then a month later you're meeting again, and then it's off again, the kids are sick, and all oh, the dog's sick, and then I got a soccer game, and... You've got to be able to recognize that there are people that aren't interested in what happens is we feel guilty. We say, well, but 
I can't say that I can't not go there because I, I don't want to say that they're a loser or they're lost. You're not saying that. You're simply saying they're not interested yet. The Lord is always working to take people who aren't interested today and make them interested tomorrow. Use the circumstances of life and everything. And so that's what I mean by ripe fruit, you know, and I've used the illustration. I'll tell them, look, it's obvious when a person's missing the studies all the time, I'll say, listen, I've noticed it's kind of hard for you with the schedule and the studies. Maybe we ought to, maybe I can leave you with a book and, uh, and, and check back with you in a couple months and see if your schedule frees up. You know, I mean, you want to keep the contact, but the reality is most of us don't have time to go to every certain place. We have a time for maybe one in-home study or two. And so you want to focus that time. And so I've given the illustration of trees. If you have two orange trees, there's one here and one here, and this orange tree has these oranges on it, and there's a green orange you're looking at, you're really eyeing it, you want that green orange, but it's not ready yet, obviously. This one over here has all kinds of orange oranges, but you really don't want those. You want that green orange, so you got your eye on that green orange, and you're focusing on that, and all the while you're focusing on that, what's happening over here? They're over-ripening and they're rotting, right? And you're missing out on a harvest you could have. Meanwhile, the orange over here, well, it's going to get orange. Sooner or later, you can pick that orange, but at what cost? Now, what's going to hurt if I go over here and I leave that orange and I pick some over here and I come back and I check and I say, hey, it's coming along, but not yet. And I come back here and I get some more. I'm going to harvest something and I may harvest this one too. So, there are, you know, you're not just turning your back on somebody forever by saying, you know, we're going to postpone this. But if they're not interested, they're not interested and you can't interest them. The Spirit of God interests them. So you do what you can. You leave the connection there. But the Lord has somewhere else for you to work, and the devil's going to distract you with ripe fruit, or unripe fruit. And in that distraction, not only are you losing out on the other ripe ones here, you're going to get discouraged out of doing anything for the Lord, because you're going to be like, it, nothing ever works. Well, of course it doesn't work. You're not working with ripe fruit. And I'll tell you, that is a huge issue. So you really uh, want to realize, you, you know, it's not hard to, to figure how interested, a, if a person's always canceling on you, and they're not applying, you're studying things, and not putting anything into practice, you know they're not bright fruit. And you just want to find a way to maybe postpone, like I said, leave them with a book. And you can even tell them, you know, my schedule's, I got, you know, my schedule's gotten busy, busy because you're going and studying on, going into other Bible studies, whatever it is, and just, you know, postpone it. Say you'll check back with them, and do check back with them, and it could be over time the Lord will, will bless with that. Um, and I'm, I'm already at my time limit. But uh, I've got three things. So I'm going to, applying the truth to the heart. I kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, you can read it. I want to zero in on the last two quickly. Uh, don't consult your feelings. Ecclesiastes 11 is where the Bible says that um, he who regards the wind will not sow and he regards the clouds will not reap. You remember that verse? Okay. In other words, when we look at circumstances, we are a poor judge of circumstances. And I just want to tell you that. that. This is a huge problem for people's success. You see things oftentimes and you say um, that it's not working. Now this, you know, you can be Bible studying with people and of course you've got the ripe interest factor. That's in there as well. But a lot of times we go by feelings on things and feelings aren't the way to determine anything. It, when you're working for the Lord, the Bible says in the, in the morning sow the seed and in the evening do not withhold your hand because you don't know which, gonna, which is going to prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And so sow the seed. Go out and do it and trust that the Lord's going to make it work. Don't allow yourself to get discouraged is what I would say. Because when you allow yourself to get discouraged, that's the only um, success the devil can have over you. 
is get you out of it. As long as you're saying, Lord, here I am, send me, he's going to use you. And he's going to win souls through you, period. The only way he can't do that is for you to give up, and the devil knows it. So you need to know it. Don't consult your feelings. Trust the Lord. And finally, don't be afraid to try. Okay, God can't bless the tract you won't hand out, the conversation you're afraid to have, the Bible said he can't give. God can't bless that. You've got to do something, and God will take what you give, and he will multiply it. Uh, you work on the plan of addition, as Elmite says, and God works on the plan of multiplication. And God has promised you success. And I have some statements here. I shared um, uh, some of these before. The very bottom of the page, the first one says, If you fail 99 times in 100 but succeed in saving the one soul from ruin, you've done a what? Noble, Noble deed for the Master's cause. Christ's Object Lesson 363, one of my favorites, says, When we give ourselves wholly to God, and in our work follow his directions, he what? Makes he makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. He would not have us conjecture as to the success of our honest endeavors. Not once should we even think of failure. We are to cooperate with one who knows no failure. And finally, um, that last one, well, I just read that last one to you about being pressed into power as instruments of divine service. And I quoted Psalm 126, which we shared in the last thing as well, that the Lord says that there will be a harvest and those who, sows, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy, and we will be bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. And God has sheaves for you to bring in if you will just say, Lord, just take what I have. I know it may not be a lot, and use me. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just are so thankful that we have the ability to be pressed into service as instruments of divine power. Oh, Lord, we thank you for calling us to labor with Christ, to wear his yoke, to bear his yoke, and learn of him. I ask now, Lord, that you will go with us through the remainder of this afternoon and evening. And, Father, may our hearts be drawn closer to you. May they be stirred with the spirit of service. Uh, may we be um, more confident in the truth that you have given to us, and may we share it with power. We ask it in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.